Welcome to Honey Hush, the podcast for up-and-coming and established leaders alike. Every week, we discuss how to win influence with one simple strategy, kindness. Whether you are a successful entrepreneur or still in the dream phase, Honey Hush is for you. Now, here are your Hive hostesses, three Southern businesswomen who know a thing or two about using honey to attract the bees, Lacey, Michelle, and Elizabeth. Well, hey, y'all. And by y'all, I'm referring to the fact that I'm literally sitting in my closet speaking to a row of my three-year-old's baby dolls trying to put your faces in my head. Podcasting is its an odd experience from my side of the fence because technically I could be speaking to absolutely no one or potentially hundreds of people. So I had these familiar baby dolls set up, imagining I'm just casually sitting at a coffee shop with other women, and we're just going to go around the table introducing ourselves. But gosh, just the thought of that actually overwhelms me. Me, having to introduce myself. How in the world do you condense 40 years into 20 minutes? And But that is just kind of, you know, that's the luxury of this ride that you're going to get with all three of us from the Hive. You're going to get so much more than just 20 minutes. Yes, it's going to be short and sweet in real time, but hopefully we'll provoke you to think about our words all day long every time we load an episode. Of all three of us, Lacey, Michelle, and I, I am the only Yankee-born child of this group. Now, my parents got down here as fast as they possibly could after I was born, but technically, my St. Louis, Missouri transplant parents raised me in a culture that they were completely foreign to. They left the Metro City life for a small country town in Mississippi that did not even have a stoplight at the time. My grandparents, who are my mom's parents, they bought a farm in Knoxville County, and my parents, along with my mom's siblings, followed them down here. And let's just suffice it to say that that was not a popular decision with my dad's side of the family. This big city guy married this small farm town girl, and they had a baby girl, me. My daddy just wanted to raise me slow and around lots of family, so they packed up everything they owned and prayed to God it would work out. Gosh, can you even, I mean, really, can you imagine even doing that now? No job, no house, just an idea that probably got painted in my dad's head, maybe, you know, as a young boy because he saw the front of a Southern Living magazine or something somewhere, but his in-laws bought a farm And there were cousins, and his little girl had her whole life in front of her. Best decision ever. We lived in that small town for about 10 years. But unfortunately, small towns like Macon, Mississippi, cannot keep up with the neighboring opportunities that are just up the road. Starkville is a college town to Mississippi State University, which means lots of education opportunities and advantages and stuff for kids. So in fifth grade, my parents moved my younger brother and I from a small private school with maybe like 20 kids in each grade to the Starkville public school system that has no less than 400 kids in each grade. So let's just suffice this decision to say that it was not popular in my opinion, personally. It literally took me two solid years to recover. (laughs) Literally, I have very few memories of that time just because it was super traumatic. I mean, literally, it was very traumatic to me. But I have to say, that was the best decision ever. It was in seventh grade when the clouds started to part a little bit for me, and I was able to analyze myself as an individual. 
I'd grown up to this point around people that were just like me, like same socioeconomical situations, same church. You know, my closest friends had been my cousins. I mean, you get it. Then in the fifth grade, the rug was literally jerked out from underneath me. All comfort was gone for several reasons. And then at the end of sixth grade, a school counselor asked my parents to have me tested for intelligence, you know. The cool kids at school, they had already informed me that that test was only for nerds. And because I was so desperate for anyone to be my friend, that I had purposefully decided to fail the test. That was the moment my parents realized they had me at the right place at the right time. From fifth to seventh grade, I literally had zero friends at school. I mean, nobody was mean to me, and I had people to sit with in the cafeteria and stuff, but nobody was inviting me over for sleepovers either. My very best friend had always been my girl cousin, who was my same age, but now lived in a different town than me. You know, she attended a different school even than me, obviously. And now I got to live in a neighborhood, and that introduced me to some friends, and a very special friend that I'm still friends with now, but her family went to, you know, they went to a different school, so I only got to see her on the weekends, like at church and stuff, and after school if we were riding our bikes. But those years, they were incredibly lonely, and but looking back, they definitely were preparing me for something. So back to seventh grade. That next year, after purposefully flunking that test, okay, I'm in seventh grade, my parents decided to enroll me completely against my will in the highest level courses that that junior high school offered. I was furious. Not only did they snatch me away from the comfort of my childhood, but now as a teenager, they wanted me to not ever have any friends ever because now I was just, I was going to be a nerd. However, best decision Ever. 7th to 12th grade is what I can now attribute my conscious identity, is what I'm going to call it. Our lives as small children, they just happen to us. We're basically just a product of the environment that our parents place us in. Do we have two parents in the home? Are we religious and go to church? What and how often do we eat? Who our friends are? What kind of clothing we wear? But at some point in adolescence, we have to make a choice to take our circumstances and develop ourselves. Do we get angry, sullen, or do we get motivated? My parents knew that I was not going to, you know, give my own self that kick in the pants that I needed. Comfort and familiarity had been my friend, but those days were over. Who I am today was never going to be fully developed in that hay barn, jumping around rafters with my cousins. And man, I loved that farm, and I still do. In fact, my kids even played in that same creek bed over Thanksgiving with my cousin's kids. And yes, here in Mississippi, it's plenty warm enough to be soaking wet at Thanksgiving, hand-grabbing fish, coming to the table barefoot by choice because, you know, we don't want to wear shoes. It's not because we don't have shoes in the South. Come on, y'all. It's by choice because it was warm outside. They come to the, ter- to the table barefoot to eat sweet potato casserole. I mean, it's just a normal thing. And that Thanksgiving meal on the farm every year is so special. And this past year, it got me to thinking while I was looking around at, you know, every single one of my cousins, and I was thinking, gosh, we're all, you know, half Southern, but yet we married full-on, dyed-in-the-wool Southern people. And of course, that's an entirely different story, but it just reminded me that I've never been more aware of the fact that I'm half Southern than this past summer when I was with my middle daughter. She was participating in the leadership program 
with the Miss Mississippi pageant. She was not a contestant, but she was getting to shadow a contestant and learn the leadership stuff behind the Miss America contestant pageants through the Miss Mississippi pageant. Her job was to assist and be mentored by one of those contestants. And I thought, you know, hey, it's just an honor to be there, right? To be surrounded by such state leadership. Apparently, I had missed the Southern Mama memo that those seven days, they were meant to make those little kids feel like royalty as well. Oops. So, y'all, I mean, I didn't even know what was going on. I had to call my mama and I said, what the heck is this? But of course, I mean, she had no idea either. But you better believe I ran to the local boutique and got caught up real quick because I sure as heck was not going to let my Southern Bell car be revoked. So then I called my husband's mama because, like I said, he's full on Southern. So I called his mama and she knew exactly what was going on. And in fact, she'd been wondering this whole time where she needed to be calling in her payment for the flower delivery that week. Y'all, my husband, I love him. We met while we were attending Mississippi State University. I did not want to go to college, okay? I'm just going to admit that. I had entrepreneurial goals even then and thought of college only as a place to collect debt. But however reluctantly, you know, I signed all the paperwork. I moved into the dorms with my girl cousin, obviously, okay? Got myself three part-time jobs, signed a lot of paperwork, you know, student loan debt stuff, and I got on the hunt for my MRS degree. And look, I may not be a Southern native, but I caught on real quick what college was really for around here. College, for many Southern girls, is, was for me, can be, a place to meet your husband, okay? I mean, it's just a fact. And I'm not trying to, like, create a cliche about all Southern girls going to college, but I am a part of that statistic. And it worked for me, so I'm not going to be ashamed. And actually, we met at the local grocery store you know, because we had seen each other on campus previously. We had lots of mutual friends, but we did meet at the grocery store, and my daddy was not too excited that I'd given a sort of stranger my phone number, but that's another story. Both of us graduated with degrees that neither of us ever used. My husband went into banking, and I went into corporate marketing. I tell you all of those little tidbits of stories just to give you a glimpse into my background and to pose the question of nature versus nurture. What attitudes and choices are we born with versus do we develop versus do we consciously choose? I have three children of my own, and I'm a very analytical person. So this concept is super important to me. I want to be a good steward of my children's early years that I get to play a part in. I often think, what parts of myself would be different had my parents chosen to stay in St. Louis or move somewhere completely random with no cousins? But I approve of my early years so much that I've given my own kids a familiar version. We live in that college town, but out in the country, down a long dirt road among acres of trees where they can fish, get dirty, their only constant playmates are each other, and often cousins too, and they find out something to do outside when they're bored. My teenage son, though, is crossing over into that realm where I no longer have as much influence. He talks to me about places he wants to visit careers he's interested in, ways he likes to spend his free time, and I've watched him gravitate towards his own friend group while leaving others as just acquaintances. And best is that he's putting his own worldview together that includes his own experiences with God and the political system. As a mom, this is a pretty cool but crazy situation unfolding right in front of my eyes. But hey, you know, I mean, if I messed up, I've got two more kids to get it right with right? I mean, isn't that what the firstborns are for? Trial and error. 
Just kidding. Sort of. Not really. <laughs> Y'all understand if you've got firstborns. But all this is just a really long story to tell you that I'm an extroverted introvert. I choose to force myself to be extroverted, but internally, I always want to be home. I've learned that, that you know we're no good to others if we isolate ourselves. We're not meant to live in comfort, never challenging our boundaries. I'm incredibly decisive and perceiving. I would almost say it's a superpower, but honestly, it's actually the one part of my personality that I can say with confidence is a gift. I'm a thinker and an analyzer to a fault. I love deep conversations about the meanings of life. And if you really want to go rounds and rounds with me, bring up something like Bible stuff or something. I love discussing the parts that humans get to play in God's overall purpose and creation. Now, I never said I was an expert. I'm just saying I like to talk about it with other people, especially people that know more than me or think differently than me. But back to that part about wishing that I were home when I'm out in public. It's because I just I have no capacity to just be. I cannot be with other human beings and not fully engage in them entirely. To go to lunch with a friend and just veg out, it's just not something I'm capable of doing. I'm compelled to hear her, to let her be vulnerable, to help her sort it all out, and then maybe even help her find a solution. I've ventured to the other side, and I have tasted the fruit of living in community with other messed up people, just trying to figure it out. If you've ever taken a Myers-Briggs personality test, please do that, okay? If you've never done it, do it. And even better is this thing called the Enneagram. Now, it's new to me. It's not new to the universe or anything, but Enneagram, that's super cool too. But I really like the DISC profile, D-I-S-C. It's based on behavior patterns, ones that you are hardwired for as well as ones that maybe you've developed over time. I'm hardwired to be a D, but have adapted to be an I. That makes me a dominant influencer on the DISC profile. This is part of my personality that I just, I really do. I wrestle with the very most. I'm not a, a people pleaser at all on any scale, clearly indicated by that capital D, but I do want to be conscious of the fact that there is a responsibility that comes along with being a dominant personality. Every single personality has the capacity for leadership. The D just stands out because that girl, she's used to being alone. A healthy D is confident and does not feel the need to explain herself. An unhealthy D is insecure and is constantly looking for approval. The I part, the influencing part, that's the part that I'm so careful with. Influencers carry a heavy weight and can be used for good or bad. As a DI leader, I'm well aware of the fact that gangs, they have leaders too, okay? Leader by positional definition only means the person is at the front of the line. By relational definition, it means that that person has people following them. I want to pose a different type of leadership, one that hopefully will have followers, but many times will have you giving that front position away. John Maxwell, the guru of leadership, in my opinion, says that there are five levels of leadership that all people, regardless of whether or not they define themselves as a leader, they will find themselves in at different points. Many of you are firstborns, makes you a leader. Some of you are department directors at work, leader. Most listening right now are parents, leader. Have you ever asked yourself if any of the people that follow you do so because they actually want to? Would your siblings choose you as their sister? Would your employees choose you as their boss? Would your children choose you as their parent? 
Whatever positional leadership you find yourself in today, I want you to ask yourself if you're providing a quality that would make it to where those same people would choose you if given the opportunity. While working for our local Chamber of Commerce in Columbus, when we lived over there for a little while, I brought the LeaderCast simulcast to our city two years in a row. And if you've never gotten to participate in a LeaderCast seminar, oh, girlfriend, please find out how you can participate. You can attend the live event in Atlanta or local communities often bring in the simulcast like I did. That first year's theme of LeaderCast that I got to participate in was called Be a Leader Worth Following. That profound concept will never leave my mind. Be a leader worth following. So my name is Elizabeth Cassano. I'm a firstborn Southern transplant, stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, married to a last-born Southern bred banker. We're both graduates of Starkville, of <laughs> Mississippi State University in Starkville, and have just recently moved back to that college town. We have three kids aged 13, 10, and 3. My professional background is corporate marketing, which led me to contract and network marketing as a career while I raised my babies at home. I will never declare to be a professional or proficient in any topic we discuss. But what I can promise you is that I've thought a lot about it, analyzed it to the death, and can give you a pretty clear indication of what to expect. You are worth investing in and figuring out. Is it going to be scary for us? Yeah, it's always more comfortable to lay low, but do not settle for only operating at half capacity. You are unique, and finding your confidence in leadership is exactly what this world is craving. So honey, tell your insecurities to hush and grab a hold of my hand because I want you sitting right beside me at the table when that light bulb goes off in your head and you get real excited about what your next step will be. (laughs) 